The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Wednesday, June 20th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. It is Roto Experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speeds, Spin Statistician. I am proud and honored to always have as my co-host, FSWA Hall of Famer, the king of fantasy, Scott Angle. Scotty, I looked up at my standings this morning and the Trevor-ending story after a great outing from Mike Clevenger, another save from Corey Knable. We have tied for first place. I am feeling good. How are you feeling? Uh, fantasy baseball-wise, not as good. Uh, I was in first place a few weeks ago. Now I'm in second, and I'm starting to drop. I'm now 13 points out, and the third-place team is a point behind me, and the fourth-place team is four and a half behind me. So I, I need my guys to start picking it up. All right. You need to pick it up. But I listen, Scott, I have faith in you. I trust Thank in you. El Rey de Fantasia. Absolutely. Gracias. And listen, muy amable. We, absolutely. We got a good show for you, okay? We're going to give you all the news and notes from around the league that you need. We're going to, you know, preview some of the closers. Listen, George Kurtz has a great article up there on rotoexperts.com, as usual. We'll get you ready for DFS today on a Wednesday, okay? And here's the other thing, Scott. Our uh, face of baseball brackets, they move along, and we've got a good matchup today. I think this could be one of the best matchups of the tournament, Scott. We have the number three seed, Jose Altuve, who has taken over the top spot in all-star game voting. So you got to think he's going to do pretty good in a bracket like this. The three seed, Jose Altuve, going up against the six seed, Mike Stanton. I think that is going to be a Giancarlo? very interesting match. Giancarlo, Mike, you know, it depends. You know, he drops he, he the mic. He wants to be called Giancarlo. I know. He dropped the mic, and he actually dropped the mic again last night with his 17th home run of the season. We'll get into that. But, Scott. Yeah, he's been hit. He's been hitting real. He's been yeah, really he picking has. it up, picking it up yeah, lately. Yeah, he has. But listen, Scott, I don't want to just leave with the Yankees every day. You know what I mean? But where do you really? think this. Uh, where do you think this is going to go here? Altuve versus Stanton. Handicap this one for me, Scott. This is a tough one. Yeah. Uh, who's the better all-around player? Jose Altuve. Who's better known in a bigger media market? Mm-hmm. Giancarlo Stanton. 
who has a ring and has been a big part of that, Jose Altuve. We could absolutely we, we could sit here and argue. It ultimately, comes down to who is better known. And I would have to say, I'm going to give the slight nod to Altuve because he's part of a championship team. Mm-hmm. He's done a lot more marketing deals. Mm-hmm. And until this year, Giancarlo Stanton was mired in Miami. I think that's fair. I think Altuve is going to sneak this one out. Um, but I do think it's close. I am reminded a few years ago, I think there was a great picture at the All-Star game of like these two guys standing next to each other. You know, I mean, standing at like, what, six, seven or so. Altuve at like five, four. It's a striking, interesting image. Uh, there's another one like that, that I'll talk to you about, Scott, uh, a little bit later on in the show. I don't know if yeah, you I think fantasy I... freestyle yesterday. No, but, I didn't. Uh, uh, sorry, oh, I missed boy. that, but I can That's listen right. we'll to it on it. demand. But you know, like I said, Stanton has really come along lately, and I think this is a story no matter who he plays for because he got to such a bad start. In the last seven days, hitting three eighty-five with mm-hmm. two homers and six RBIs. This month, he's hitting two seventy-three with six home runs and 11 RBIs. So Stanton is, is trying to – is certainly picking things up. Mm-hmm. He was interviewed by the Yes Network last night after the game and saying, you know, that he's picking up things more sharply and getting into more of a groove, and I think you're starting to see the results. Yeah, absolutely. And for and, all and his slumping, he's got 17 home runs and 40 RBIs. That's the thing. I mean, like, I'll take that kind of slump. That's still on pace for, you know, between 35 and 40 home runs. You got to take that. And listen, Scott, without going too far into it, I think that is the beauty of how deep this Yankees lineup is, right? Like, even when he was quote-unquote scuffling, other people will pick him up. I said it before that also when Glaber Torres came up, he didn't really have the pressure or the spotlight like he might on some other team teams, you know, people like Andujar have been able to toil and, and, and impress without that kind of pressure. I mean, Glaber with his 14th yesterday, Stanton with his 17th, and Duhar, I believe, with his 9th, Hicks with his 10th. The power outing happened for the Yankees, but I want to ask you because, listen. What is the Scott, biggest complaint we always heard about Stanton? Sorry to interrupt you there. No, no, the injury prone, always about always about health. Now, right, look, we're not even halfway there yet, but, mm-hmm. you know, he has stayed healthy. And you talk about the rest of the Yankees picking it up. The biggest concern I think people had, both real and fantasy-wise, was the pitching. In the month of yeah. June, they have a 197 ERA, which is best in the American League. You're, get, you're getting really good performances out of guys you may not expect it with. Either take what you can get fantasy-wise. Yeah, absolutely, and that's where I wanted to go with this, Scott, because one of those guys is, you know, Domingo Herman pitched very well yesterday, Scott, and I know we want the trade piece and blah, blah, blah. Here's what I want to ask you, two things about Herman. A, could you see Herman as a viable maybe trade piece to someone else? You know, he no. is a young pitcher, no. okay, and two, the would Yankees you ever are looking see- for pitching. They're not going to. They're not going to trade it away. Yeah, but they're looking for they're looking for more elite pitching, and you may have to tr- flip something no, young in order you, to get you, it. No, 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 no. It's you got to flip something out of the minors, like okay. like Justice Sheffield. You know, Jermon is already pitching well at the major league level. You don't screw with that. Okay, so let me ask you the yeah. following question for you. Listen, if. Herman is wind up, you know, he's probably, even if they don't make a trade, if you slate the Yankees uh, pitchers, he's probably like the fifth starter right now. Could you see a universe where in the Maybe postseason, fourth. Herman, okay, could you see a universe where in the playoffs or something, Herman comes out of the bullpen? Um, it depends on what they do between now and then, but, you know, to be honest with you, uh, you know, 
why are we doing that right now? It's, you know, what we need from Herman fantasy-wise is to get us through the regular season. He's got seven runs in his last three starts, two of them against Tampa Bay and the Mets, but if you want to be a good pitcher, you're supposed to beat those guys. But he right. did against Seattle last night, which, which, which was impressive. You know, uh, to be honest with you, it's like I haven't thought that far ahead because, okay. A, the playoffs are too far ahead, and B, it has no bearing <laughs> on fantasy. That's right, Scotty. Always focused on fantasy. I mean, I honestly, honestly if you want to hear all about the Yankees, listen to that phony bandwagon Yankee, Yankee fan, Craig Carton. Uh, you know, from from nine to noon. You know, Carton, Cart, Look, look. Me and Craig go way back, but I knew him when A he had hair, and B <laughs> when we both had hair, and B when he was a Mets fan, and he was a Mets fan when they were really good. Uh, I think and, and uh, after they fell off a little bit, but now he's like Mr. Yankee. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. buying that. All right, fair enough. Yeah. If you want, keep it locked to Carton and Friends. You're either Mets fan or a Yankee fan, right period. Here. Not, 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 not when they're going good, you jump back and forth. I agree, I agree. You got to uh, declare yeah. <clears throat> declare your squad and plant a flag. Yeah, let's keep it moving. Pledge your allegiance like Giuliani said in 2000. All right, we shall see. I'll ask, uh, I'll ask Carton next time I see him. Let's keep it moving away from the Yankees. Listen. Scotty, Houston Astros' win streak has been snapped at 12, and Blake Snell was the man to do it. He goes seven innings. He gives up only one, strikes out six. And, of course, my boy Sergio Romo on the back end gets the save as the closer. You never know when he's going to be the opener. It took a great outing out of Snell, but the uh, Astros' win streak has been stopped. That offense didn't do much, only got five hits last night, Scotty. Yeah, they're trying to set a new franchise record. For uh, for wins in a row, but it it didn't happen last night. Uh, Justin Verlander, a very uh, good start, wasted with only one run of a support, which is a little bit of a surprise. Uh, you, you you saw Snell last night get his ninth win. He's now nine and four with a two forty eight ERA and a one zero six WHIP. This is the breakout that we had hoped for. But mm-hmm. you know, did he have a great start? No. Uh, I wouldn't say that. He walked seven guys. He uh, he dodged some bullets last night. All right, seven, but... seven, walk, seven walks is not a great start. No, absolutely. Whatsoever. The base runners were definitely there. He did limit that incredible Houston Astros offense, though, to only one run, snapping their win streak. At Boy, did he 12. did he get lucky? You know, not 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 beating the Astros while walking seven. Yeah, no, absolutely. I hear you. Sometimes, you know, it takes, uh, you know, that strand rate was probably, was pretty high, right, when we look into the deeper stats. He got lucky with a high strand rate last night. Hey, Scotty, down in Colorado, an offensive explosion, okay? Your Mets follow their, uh, what was it, their 12-run output of uh, Monday yeah. with another eight runs. Listen, the same kind of guys at the top of the order, right? Nemo. Still gets a hit. Ribby scores two runs. As Drupal Cabrera, two ribbies. Conforto knocks in a run. The top of that order. Ploiecki even, you know, kind of in at catcher. He goes two for four. But it's not enough as the Colorado Rockies score 12. I got to tell you something, Scott. You know, you're, you're not um, playing Roto Cleo as much anymore. You know what I did last night in Roto Cleo? I was like, oh, the Rockies are at home. They're facing Jason Vargas. I'm going to go with my, the leadoff hitter, DJ LeMahieu, just to get a hit. Just to get a hit, Scott, do you know that LeMahieu was the only Colorado Rocky to not get a hit last night, including Herman Marquez, who went two for three with, you know, with a ribby and stuff? Um, crazy. 
DJ LeMay, he was the only Rocky to not get a hit. Blackman, two for three. Arnado, three for five with some bombs. Story, two for five. Desmond, two ribbies. Cargo, two for five. Ionetta, you know, Cuevas. Everyone except my pick, DJ LeMay. What did you take? Cuevas. What did you take away from this game, Scott? Three back-to-back-to-back jacks against Jason Vargas. Yeah, that'll do it. (laughs) This guy doesn't get cut soon. You got to continue to attack him. Brandon Nemo. Uh, you're continuing to do. He's got 12 home runs already. He had a he had a stolen. He had a he had an RBI last night. Two runs scored. And uh, actually, Mike Puma of the New York Post had a had a uh, competition for uh, giving Brandon Nemo a nickname. Mm-hmm. And uh, I submitted what I thought were a few good warm ones. You know, the Happy Hammer, uh, the American Legion of Boom, because he never played high school ball. He only played oh, really? American Legion ball. Okay. Uh, but ultimately. Uh, you know the uh, the Green Reaper uh, actually won out for Nemo, but uh, yeah, the Mets the Mets generated some offense last night as Drupal Cabrera with a pair of RBIs. He's starting to pick it up again with three multi hit games in a row. Uh, you know on the Rockies side, uh, you mentioned Cargo with two hits, but you know still still the overall numbers disappointing. Ian Desmond has given you a lot of power. The batting average has not been good. Yeah, I mean, oh, God talking you, about Scott, Mets losses. Right. Yeah, sorry. I know you're allergic to the. You're like, oh my goodness, they're scoring runs again. This is crazy. I don't know how to respond. Uh, but yeah, I hear you. Um, some of the bats coming alive right I there. Always, you gotta... I always know how to respond. You know, I never get too high. I never get too low. When they were eleven and one, I said they're not that good. When they were playing that bad recently, I said they're not that bad. They're they're somewhere in the middle. They're like a a slightly above above five hundred team. I think overall, Met, Met fans, especially those who are Jet fans, you know, tend to be very reactionary and doom and gloom whenever something goes wrong. You know, it's a long season. Yeah, it is. You know, and as we know with baseball, it is a marathon, not a sprint. So we'll keep an eye and see if the Mets' offense can Heard bounce that back. One before, yeah, it's true. But the Met, but the Rockies yeah. putting up eight, like you said, back to back to back home runs in the third inning off Jason Vargas. Another game I want to talk about is Scotty in Philadelphia. The Cardinals get a W, seven to six. Listen, top of that Cardinals order producing. Uh, Matt Carpenter, Tommy Pham, and, of course, Jose Martinez as well. Here's what I want to ask you about. Greg Holland is back. You know, I think they spent a lot of money on him, Scotty, in the offseason. I'm not saying he's going to necessarily step into that closer role because, you know, Bud Norris has been doing his thing. But what about Jordan Hicks also in that bullpen? You know, throwing 104, 105 with movement. Uh, He was the last guy in uh, last night's game. What do you think? Is Does Norris have a tight hold on that job? I know we'll look at the George Kurtz yeah, it's, article it's, next it's segment. Not, it's not what happening do you think there? with Hicks yet. No? It's not happening with Hicks yet. He blew his third save last night and, you know, ended up cashing out on the win. With you the know, win, Matt yeah. Carpenter saved, saved his butt. He, you know, he doesn't have the command yet. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's not happening. He throws hard, uh, but Norris is still the guy right now. Hicks would be the next in line should Morris, Norris melt down like over – two, three starts in a row, and I don't think Holland's got a prayer. Uh, yeah, you know, and it's just interesting, you know, because they did, they did spend some money on him, you know, kind of in March, right? So uh, yeah. I'd have to look up that contract, but it's, it's interesting. You got, you got whatever it is, uh, you know, toiling in the sixth, seventh inning. Yeah, but the Cardinals right now are like the five-game over 500. They're, they're trying to contend, and putting Greg Holland in the ninth inning, no matter what he's getting paid, is not going to make you win ball games. 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. You listen, and especially when you're trying to contend, you don't want to take that risk anymore. Um, the Atlanta Braves you gotta, had an offense. You have to. You have to play. You have to play your best guys. You know, no matter what the contracts say. No, absolutely. I mean, it is. I mean, to be honest, Scott. I mean, sports really, in many ways, is uh, the cliche goes the ultimate meritocracy, right? Especially, you know, I mean, people have different salaries and all, but also in between the lines, your teammates know who really belongs out there, you know, and 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 that's the way it goes down most of the time. Scott, I did want to talk real quick about the Atlanta Braves in Toronto. They had an offensive output last night they win in toronto 11 to 4 but i was intri- i was intrigued scotty it was the bottom of the lineup that was doing work ender and and camargo they combined for eight rbis on this one like that's that's a huge huge uh outing out of the bottom of this braves order you know it wasn't albies it wasn't freeman per se those guys combined to go two for 12 but it was the guys down on the bottom in Ciarte hitting in the eighth hole here not stealing bases but knocking in runs last night well i think savvy fantasy players know that in is very solid doesn't matter where he hits in the order i think some people a little bit fuddled that he doesn't lead off but no matter where he hits he's going to put up the numbers uh, as for Camargo, over the last week, 409 with uh, with a home run and, and nine RBIs. This month, 271, three home runs, 15 RBIs. He's starting to hit, pick things up. He's better in an on-base percentage league. But, you know, if you need some corner infield help there, uh, you could do worse than Camargo. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we know about Insignarte. Scott, is he always hitting? Insignarte is not always in the eight hole, though. Um, right, he's usually at the top of that lineup. Am I, am I correct? No, he. I, I don't. I don't think he's been at the top of the lineup for a little while now. I could be wrong on that. But okay, but if he's down uh, on the bottom of that lineup, does that give you any concerns of his? I remember to la- run? last time that they were in town in, in New York was about a month ago. Yeah, they had dropped him in the lineup. So let me ask you that: if he's if he's lower in the lineup, does that give you any concern that he he would run less? You know, because, like, if he's hitting eight, you know, I mean, when you got, like, the pitcher behind you, I mean, I know that they were how in many Toronto. Steals, how many steals does he have? He's got to be around. He's got to be around in the low 20s. I, I could bring it up. I could yeah, bring it up. I'll do that right now. You know, let's see. He's got exactly 20. Yeah. And to be honest, so, he had, like, 17 or 18 about a month ago. I mean, I haven't, you know, he got two. Listen, Scott, he got two in, uh, on June 12th against the Mets. In right. a game, the Braves won eight to two, but af- since then, he really hasn't uh, he really hasn't run much as of late. And you're right, he has been down in the bottom of the order. He's been hitting like seventh, I would say. Um, yeah, I remember when he part. was in New York. I think they dropped him to sixth. Okay. Uh, you know, let, let, let's let's take a look though. But I'm looking place. at this game log right you know, now. In, 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 in April. In April, he had 13 stolen bases. Listen, Scott, I'm seeing it right now. So okay, had, so he stole two bases. seven cents. Yeah, he stole two bases on June 12th against the Mets in this game that I'm talking about. Okay, June 12th. Literally, mm-hmm. the game before that when he stole a base was May 15th. He didn't steal a base between May 15th to June 12th, Scott. I mean, this is a guy, you're right, he has 20 stolen bases, but as you mentioned, you know, in the first month or whatever, he had 13, only seven since. Listen, yeah. honestly, 
Since May 15th, in the last, you know, month and five days, May 15th, that day that was Juan Soto's, you know, Back to the Future DeLorean debut. That was the suspended game with the uh, Yanks and Nationals that day. Since that day, he's only stolen a base in one game, and it was the two he swiped on June 12th against the Mets. That's a little odd to me, Scott. What do you do if you're a fantasy owner uh, of Insignarte right now? Like, are you concerned about that? He's, he's not running as much. Yeah, and what you do is... If you're a savvy player and you dove into the numbers like we just did, uh, you flip them because someone's going to still see that he's got 20 him. home runs. Somebody's right. going to just gonna, right. somebody might just look at the totals, right? And you know, not look or at the name recognition of it. Yeah, I did see Art they offered to me about two weeks ago, and then I remember looking at those numbers. And I, you know, you just refresh my memory on them. Yeah, honestly, I forgot about that, uh, and I didn't take NC Art Day because mm-hmm. I said. I said, you know, he's only stolen like what four bases in the five bases in the the last month. You know, somebody's trying to tell me, look how many steals he's got. He need help right. and speed. He's got fifteen or seventeen stolen bases. You know, sell that. That's good. That's good salesmanship. Hey, right. you need speed. This guy's got twenty steals. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'll I'll give him up to you. You know, sell it. Of course, like oh, I hate to give him up, but you need sure. speed, and I got to give up something. So he's got twenty steals. He's on pace for forty. Uh, 45 steals, uh, but really, it seems like the rest of the way, he may only be on pace for like 30. <laughs> yeah, that's it's really interesting to me, you know, because just like you say, Scott, you know, with the name recognition of it, you think this guy is a steal guy. You see 20 steals for total, but I'm, I, I was definitely shocked to see that in the last month and a week or so, he's only had one game where he's actually swiped. He is second but in doing the, your homework, like right. speeds. That's why they call that's, him the spitting statistician. You know what it is, Scott. Facts like that. That's what it is. He is, uh, right now, he is tied for second in Major League Baseball with 20 steals. He is tied with a member of the Washington Nationals. He is behind a member of the Washington Nationals. Michael Taylor leads the league with 21. He is tied with Trey Turner, who has 20 with Washington Nationals, Scotty. They got a win at home series battle of the beltway there against the Baltimore Orioles. Um, Listen, Kelvin Herrera comes in in the eighth, gets a clean inning, only throws six pitches to get the eighth, and then Doolittle, he did get the save, but he gave up a run. That's a little bit interesting to me. Trey Turner, I mentioned with his steals, he goes four for four last night, picking up his average to uh, 267, but he was caught stealing. Nice game, though, out of Trey Turner going four for four. Yeah, I'm not worried about Doolittle giving up one run. Uh, sure. You know, the job is his pretty strongly, right? Even the best closers give up one run, you know, here and there. It's, it's not something yeah. that concerns me. Um, yeah, whip still know, under one, Herrera, ERA at 1.7. Yeah, he's, he's, had a terrific, he's had a terrific season. Trey Turner, 267, eight home runs, 26 RBIs. I think you expected a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you play in an OBP league, I, th- I think you're satisfied. 349 uh, OBP. Yeah, 349 OBP. You like him better than in a batting average league. Uh, you look at him this month, he's hitting 250 with two home runs and four steals. He had, he had 12 home runs and 12 steals in April. You know, we were talking about, about uh, Ender Enciarte. Mm-hmm. Uh, in May and June, uh, Trey Turner has stolen four bases in each month. But, you know, we're a little more than halfway done uh, with June. So, you know, that's fine. I think, I think Trey Turner hasn't been quite worth the first-round pick yet. Right. But, you know, he hasn't been a full disappointment. Uh, you know, maybe he's performing more like a third-rounder right now. 
Yeah, no, I agree. You know, I expected to see the average a lot higher than that. Wait a minute, you just that. confused me. You just what? confused me. You said, yeah, no, I agree. Is it yeah, yeah or is it no? It's yeah. I agree. Okay. There you go. Um, but here's the thing. Yeah, when I also look at it, Scott, you. listen, Scott, yesterday, Trey Turner was hitting in the sixth hole in that order. Now, Turner is someone who's usually hitting one or two in that order. Does that give you cause for pause? I mean, it didn't happen. You know, Insignarte has been dropped there a, long, uh, a little while ago. Trey Turner last night hitting sixth in that Nationals order. He did go four for four, but... You know, down in the middle of the bottom of that order, maybe he is less likely to run as well. That is a switch for Turner. He's usually hitting one or two. He was six in the sixth hole last night, Scott. Well, look, we said he's had April he had 12, and in the last two months he's had eight. Right. So, I, you know, we, we've, we've seen a little reduction. Honestly, I haven't followed the trend about, you know, how often he is uh, – how often he is, you know, not hitting the leadoff spot, but he still has, he's only, he's only, he's got 185 bats hitting first, 70 at bats hitting seven, only seven uh, hitting fifth, and only 23 hitting sixth. So, you know, the, the sample sizes at least indicate that he's going to hit first or second pretty often. But, you mm-hmm. know, to look, to I think, you know, we're going to have to look back at the box scores. I, do, I honestly don't know. And I'm not going to misinform anybody that it's something that that just happened last night. You know, how long has this been going on? Got you. All right, so you got to dive deeper into the stats there. I did actually, just notice that he was hitting six last night, and he's been actually hitting first Turner, or second Turner for a while. Turner hit second. Turner hit second on Sunday. I mean, on Monday. So, right, that's what I'm saying. He's hitting first or second usually, but sixth is different than the top of the order. Right. He's yeah, been hitting first or second most a of the trend? time. It's, it's something we some we have to watch. You know, he was right. he's been hitting second consistently looking through some of these game logs for right. like the last week or so. Right. That's what I'm saying. Switching to sixth would be a change, but something we'll just keep our eye on, Scott. Real quick, I gotta let these people know and we talk about it a little more after the break. I saw two very odd injuries, Scott. You know, we talked about how funny it was with LeBron James punching the whiteboard. Well, Hunter Strickland punched the wall after a blown save himself. He's now going to miss the next six to eight weeks. You know, you think you would learn something from LeBron James in the finals, but apparently not at the top of the hour. We heard Dan Stratford say that it uh, looks like Sam Dyson may take over that role instead of Melanson. We'll talk about that a little bit more as well. But did you see that in Chicago? Brandon Morrow apparently also hurt his back taking his pants off after a game, Scott. These are both very weird odd injuries i want to get your take on both of them when we come back we got a big time poll question up as well it's 50 50 right now jose altuve or Giancarlo stanton as the face of baseball we'll talk dfs we'll talk you know closer report all that and more we're off and running roto experts in the morning right here on the award-winning fantasy sports radio network Are you new to Daily Fantasy? Are you a veteran? Either way, you can better your chances of winning money, and lots of it, by going to DailyRoto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire, too. Just go to DailyRoto.com to rock Daily Fantasy Sports. It's Carton and Friends! 
Kevin Nealon. Hey, of all the past jobs you had, is there any one, if you could snap your fingers and go back in time and be right in the middle of it again, which of those things was the one that you missed the most or was the most important to you? It's the Tonight Show. When I did the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson as a stand-up the first time, I never have I had a, such a natural high as that. I mean, the thrill of that was just staggering. Weekdays, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Yeah, you down with OPP. You know me. Yeah, you, you know, know me. me. That's what it is. It's the King Scott Angle. Reminds me of my club days. Really? Your club days? I would have yeah. loved to see the King Scott Angle in his club days. Bouncing to OPP, little naughty by nature, uh, hip hop parade, stuff like that. What? Uh, yeah, man, big things. Listen, what? I used to love a little bit of Tretch, a naughty by nature, underrated group. I gotta tell you that. But we were talking, Scott, before the break, real quick. We were talking about weird were they underrated? injuries. They were, they were hugely popular. Ah, I think um, as we move along, you know, they, they kind were, of get they lost. Were, they in the were shuffle. mainstream. Yeah. Yeah, they absolutely maybe were. out of the time. But I right. guess maybe over history they are. Because I think, listen, listen, to be honest, what, what, with a group like that, you know, the fact that they have, in my opinion, at least two, at least two songs that, like, if you hear now at a wedding or something like that, everyone's like, oh, and it's this song, OPP. And then, obviously, right. as soon as Hip Hop Hooray hits, everybody's like, Hip Hop Hooray, oh, yeah. hey. And so the longevity of these songs, I think, kind of make Naughty by Nature stand out a little bit more. Um, you know, and I think time has been good to them, Scott. Um, you, know what, you know what the one song is? Is a wedding or whatever. What's no that? No matter when you play it, everybody gets up and dances. <laughs> What's Rob that? Bass. Oh, sure. Rob Bass. Yeah. It takes, it takes two? two? It takes two to make a thing go yeah. right. Woo! Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm talking. It takes two to make it out of sight. Yeah. You have two right here on Roto Experts in the morning. It's the King Scott Angle and the Spitting Statistician, Dane Martinez. Hey, Scotty, we were talking about Hunter Strickland punching a wall. He's going to miss six to eight weeks. Brandon Morrow, Morrow holders back, taking his pants off after a game. He's only day-to-day, so obviously the Strickland injury um, is bigger. But I, I saw both of these, and I, I, I kind of chuckled to myself. Big blow, though, for the Giants and Hunter Strickland owners. Yeah, it is, and uh, you know a lot of stories flowing about San Francisco about you know his maturity level, you know over the last two years, and uh, you know the fights he would get into Bryce Harper, very temperamental, right. and you know Bruce Bochy had commented about that, you know saying that he needed his closure to have more of an even keel mentally, you know we talk about mentality, you know, sure. there's you know there's something right there. Is the Mar- between the Marlins and the Giants, got, it's gotten very chippy this week because Lewis Brinson got a big hit against him. Uh, Hunter Strickland took excelib- exception to the way he celebrated. There was some beanball, etc. And uh, you know, after giving up a big hit and blowing a save, uh, the second save of the week, I believe, you know, he went into the locker room and punched the door. I believe. Uh, I don't know whether it was during the locker room or down the way to the locker room. It really doesn't matter. But now he's out four to six weeks. Sam Dyson will probably uh, you know, get 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 the first crack there. And uh, you know we've seen we've seen Dyson do this before. So you know you we also saw him have a horrible about. start to the year last year with Texas. He was starting as the closer and he pitched something yeah, like an eleven ERA at the beginning of the year. Yeah, but then he really turned it around when he got to San Francisco and, you know, got his closer mojo back. So, you know, there's one guy. There's a roto baller is saying uh, 
this morning in their player updates on their site that Will Smith, you know, is also maybe because somebody can get a crack because, but he actually set up Dyson last night. So I'm, I'm not so sure about that. You know, then you go to the closer report on rotoexperts.com yep. this morning from George Kurtz, like he posted every Tuesday. And, you know, they, you know, there's two others in the mix here. You know, Dyson may not have a long leash because you also have Tony Watson. But then you got Mark Melanson. But right now, Bruce Bochy says Mark Melanson probably isn't physically up to pitching in the ninth inning yet. So you think Manson, Melanson would be the guy, but they do have the luxury of, of using Dyson. And again, this team is not going to be a contender. So I don't know if they're going to sw- if they're going to sweat it in a major way or could even become a bill pen by committee. But right now, Dyson is the guy that you want to load in to pick up over the weekend. Okay, fair enough. So that's the guy Dyson will probably get the first crack out there in San Francisco. Scotty, you mentioned George Kurtz. He does great work for rotoexperts.com. He's got the closer article yes. up there. Let's dive into that a little bit more because you were talking about some of these situations. I mean, you okay, so we mentioned San Francisco, but – as you know, Scott, earlier in the week, Kelvin Herrera was traded from Kansas City over to Washington. So that leaves kind of an opening for saves in Kansas City. We talked about it before. It looks like Kevin McCarthy might get the first shot there. Brandon Maurer is also around kind of in that bullpen. Uh, that, those are the two names that Kurtz mentions. Do you kind of agree that those are the guys who could be the quote-unquote next man up for the Royals? Yeah, I, you know, I've heard I've heard the mention of Tim Hill as well. Uh, yeah, McCart- McCarthy's uh, probably get the first chance, but I would I would keep Maurer on your watch list because he did a nice job for the Padres in the past for a little while. So he's got some closing experience, and I would not be surprised if he ultimately wins the job. By the way, in Chicago, uh, you you mentioned that whole Brandon Morrow incident. Yeah. Only baseball baseball players suffer those type of injuries. Never yeah, do you remember? That. Was it With was foot, it like Ricky Henderson players. when he sneezed or something? Also, yeah, or Vince Coleman. Or like, it was you know, one of those speedsters. Or, or, or guys using can openers, you know, stuff like right. that. <clears throat> or I remember the first. I remember the first big base, the first baseball injury I ever saw like that. Uh, that made me laugh. J.T. Snow was with the Giants yeah. in the early 1990s. I think it was about 92, 93. And he's talking to a reporter in the dugout, and he makes his gesture, and he scratches his own eyeball, and then he misses the game. You know, that only, oh happens, that don't, that don't, that only happens to baseball players. But they're saying that he's probably going to devoid a DL stint. If it does happen, though, with the Cubs, you know, they, I think they do have some guys that can job, do the job in the interim. Steve Ciszek has been a closer in the past. Mm-hmm. Pedro Strope can do the job, and even Carl Edwards would, uh, would get right. some consideration if he were healthy, but he's not. Justin Wilson, I really wouldn't trust him. I think it would be Strope or Ciszek. All right, fair enough, but hopefully it sounds like the Morrow injury certainly is not as serious as the Strickland injury, but we will keep our eye on the closing situation in Chicago as well. Listen, um, Scotty, down in Philadelphia, Hector Neris, you know, he lost his job. He lost his spot on the team, to be quite honest. They sent him down to the minors. We talked a little bit. Yeah, right? We talked by Felicia. We talked a little bit about it earlier in the week. We think, and and George Kurtz agrees, that uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez is the next man up there for the Phils. Well, he took the loss last night, so... Who else could it be? Tommy uh, Hunter, I'm, potentially? Yeah, I, I've heard whispers about Hunter in the past. He's a veteran. Maybe they'll type and come out of nowhere. We've also seen uh, Udibre Ramos 
maybe get some uh, get some saves there. But I, I wouldn't count out Hunter. Right now, Dominguez, I think, is still probably leading the way. Uh, but Hunter could be a dark horse. And let me tell you something. Hunter's one of those type of guys that people from the outside will say, why is Tommy Hunter the hell on the roster? You know, I was in the Phillies clubhouse, and Tommy Hunter, you know, he runs that clubhouse. Really? He's a veteran. He gets a ton of respect. He, 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 but, you know, all the pitchers look up to him. All the media knows who he is. Tommy Hunter is a guy that is there more for the intangibles than anything else. And I would not be shocked if they gave him a shot because that guy has a ton of confidence despite the fact that you look at his numbers and his track record. He, he seems like a journeyman. You know, inside the clubhouse, he means a lot to the teams that he's on. Yeah, and listen, it's interesting. You know, you can never overstate kind of that clubhouse value, that mentorship, having the veteran in there. We've talked about that a number of times. You know, you even mentioned it with previously with a guy like Adrian Gonzalez, you know, even though he's not there anymore, some of the kind of other implications that they have on the team. I saw a great piece last year, at the beginning of last year, okay, um, on the Houston Astros the, about Carlos Beltran. Okay, about Carlos Beltran and why he was like, he purposely asked to have his locker there next to Carlos Correa. He was talking about how Jose Altuve would continue to always come up and pick his brain, you know, and having that veteran presence. uh, The Astros really attributed Carlos Beltran to having that mentorship there as well. So it could never be overstated, even sometimes when the performance or the skills erode or you lose a step, you're always still able to kind of play that role for the team, and I think it is very, very important. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like kind of like a player coach, yeah, uh, you know, kind of thing, because you know, and I, you heard me asking Didi Gregorius about it, but he said he really didn't play that role, you know, for the other Yankees. Right. But you get certain veterans that just try to take other players under their wing, and mm-hmm. they naturally gravitate toward each other. I've soared with Brandon Phillips and Billy Hamilton. Mm. I think Brandon Phillips actually actually got frustrated. After after a little while, so really, you know, I've I've seen I've seen I saw it when uh when Sean Figgins was on the Dodgers, he was That's a big influence up. on D on on D Gordon. Interesting, and you know, interesting for all. Yeah. For all of the ways that Mr. Alex Rodriguez has been a pariah in Major League Baseball, he is always known to really take some of the ball players, especially as I mentioned, the Latin ball players, under his wing as well. You know, so that, that, that hasn't always say. worked out positively, though. I guess that's true. When they introduce him to you cousin know, you could Yuri. say that it's like you introduce him to cousin Yuri, when, when, right? When you, when, when, yeah, like you know, when when certain players end up with PED accusations. Mm-hmm. Or whatever, you know, that's that's not a good thing either. So you don't want to run in the same circles of it's that. A, it's I, interesting how how Yankee fans though, like, you know, wanted him off the team at one point. You know, now he's, you know, now he's Mr. Yankee again. <laughs> Who's calling him Mr. Yankee? Certainly not I. Certainly not I. I all I said was that he uh, was always willing to, uh, you know, mentor a young Latin ball player, maybe by introducing him to cousin. Both Yuri. good and bad. We shall yeah. see. Hey, Scott, I got another closing situation I want to ask you about. We've talked about it before. And, you know, like in Tampa Bay, how it's kind of a committee and a mess that you want to stay away from. And we say, hey, they're not going to win too many games anyway. Mm-hmm. You talk about San Francisco just now. You're like, hey, if they fall out of it, will they sweat it as much? A team that definitely should sweat it is the Houston Astros. Scott. And listen, okay, Hector Rondon has picked up, you know, saves in like four of his last five. His ERA is down to 1.38. And sure, okay, he's good. But here's the thing, like, 
Ken Giles is still there. You know, Davinsky still has great ratios there. George Kurtz is suggesting Brad Peacock may even get a chance if, if they want to keep trying things out. He also kind of alludes to the fact that this could be a landing spot for the Orioles' Zach Britton. I mean, if you have Hector Rondon right now, how uh, confident are you that it is his job? Not, it's shaky. He got the loss last night. Uh, you know, he fell apart in the past when the Cubs tried to give him the job. I think they want Giles to be the guy. But, you know, he blows up in non-save situations, and I think they have an issue with that. You know, they could be four runs ahead. They want to lock up a game. They don't want Giles blowing up. Right. So I think they want Giles, but they've been forced to go to Rendon. So right now, I don't think that guy is there. If they were able to get Zach Britton and he's healthy again, you know, that that pretty much sews up the back end of the bullpen. If this team picks up a Zach Britton or a Brad Hand, you know, it, it, forget it. It's you know, Could they trade for Jerry's Familia and see if they could fix him? You know, that that's something else you have to consider as well. Okay, so we'll keep an eye out on that. But Houston may be in the market. It looks like, obviously, we know about their offense. I would be surprised if they don't land. I'm sorry. I don't, I'm surprised that, that – I. If they don't land, if they don't land somebody, if Giles does not turn this thing around in a good way in the next week and a half or two weeks, that team is gonna that team's gonna land a closer. The the Astros are gunning for another World Series title. Yeah, listen, I completely agree with you. They are ripe and ready to do it. Their their rotation is you know the best in baseball by all accounts. Their offense continues to hum along. They have all-stars and young talent everywhere. As you saw, even in the playoffs last year, it was Ken Giles that is the kind of uh, pain point for this team. So, yeah, maybe Rondon is good for now. You know Davinsky has always been good, but they kind of want to keep him in that seventh, eighth inning role. So let me ask you this, Scott. You know, we've talked about some of these names already. We were ahead of the game on Kelvin Herrera. We knew he was going to go. You know, we saw, um, you know, other other moves have been made. Colome, they've already Already kind of pulled the trigger on that one. If you are the Houston Astros, to me, the two names I hear the most in terms of moving around now, you know, kind of in the back end, would have to be, as you mentioned, Brad Hand in San Diego, and then uh, in Baltimore, right? Britain and maybe others. If you're the Astros or another contending team, which one of them do you prefer? Which one of them are you targeting? I would lean towards Hand because he's a lefty, Scott. Uh, I think he, I don't think it comes down to that for me. It's, you know, how it comes down to, you know, how much do you have to give up for each guy? What, what's the, what's the, what's the other team asking for? And this is what you have to watch fantasy wise. If you just got Britain back, uh, you know, he can move to a team that, you know, like Houston that gets saves. You want to hold on to him, but Brad hand, you know, he, he could lose that job at any, any time. Also, you know, there's rumors about Ryman Tapera maybe being on the move, mm. but I don't think that's a landing spot in Houston because he really doesn't have any track record at all of closing games. So I I probably would not see that happening at all. And Joachim Soria has really shown that he could do the job. There's rumors that he could be traded into a setup role, but mm. who's to say that Soria can be traded into another closer situation? Yeah, that's possible. And as you know, I mean, Soria definitely does have experience closing. Remember there in Chicago, Nate Jones with that arm string is still on the DL there in Chicago. But definitely yeah, even even before eye. even before he got injured. Uh, oh, yeah, it was Soria's job. Him. 
Definitely. Yeah. It was Soria's job. I'm just saying, you know, they do have Nate Jones as well. Maybe, like, they flip Soria. And then Nate Jones goes back into that role, if healthy. But obviously, listen, George Kurtz does a great job over on rotoexperts.com. They are the mark of fantasy excellence. So you got to check them out. Keep yourself up to date on all the bullpen depth charts. I also want to tell people, check this out. Listen, you got to go on over to dailyroto.com, okay, slash DKMS. You're going to find the link to play some free DFS baseball, okay? You, they, we got a contest going every day, all right? And listen, you could also win tickets for two to the World Series in 2018, but it's not only that. It's not only by playing fantasy baseball, not only by playing DFS, okay? We're going to start, Scott, in a couple of weeks. We're going to start, start the Fantasy Sports Radio Network uh, DKMS Trivia Challenge, okay? People are going to be able to call in for their shot to win and get tickets to the Fall Classic. The number to play is 844-843-6879. Same number as always. Our guy Chris Bavona, the manimal down there in the fantasy pit of misery, will take good care of you. Okay, we're doing the DKMS Trivia Challenge July 8th to July 17th. But if you want to find out more information, go on over to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. Hey, Scotty, when we've done the trivia challenges before, you know, um, we have like different tiers of questions, right? We have like some easier questions and then they, what, advance to the harder questions as they go along. Is that right? Yes. So, uh... You know, how do you think our listeners are going to do? I, I, I hope they represent. I hope they, you know, put up a good showing. Well, it was uh, challenging for them last year, so it was right? prepared. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. Remember, that's going to kick off in a couple of weeks, the DKMS Trivia Challenge right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And you could uh, potentially win tickets for two to the 2018 World Series. I mentioned that is uh, over there on DailyRoto.com. If you go on over to Daily Roto as well, you get our DFS slate and their, uh, you know, kind of analysis for the day. Scotty, we talk about the pitchers a lot here. Listen, Charlie Morton is the top today when it comes to the price chart, okay? He's got a nice matchup against the Rays as the Astros look to, you know, start a new win streak, shall we say, against Tampa Bay. Other guys that step down are like Gio Gonzalez, David Price, you know. Otherwise, after that, it looks like a lot of dregs, to be quite honest. Where are you going uh, today on the Hill in DFS? Morton's no lock, though, as the Daily Roto guys uh, uh you know, point out this morning that, you know, the splits really don't favor him in terms of the platoon splits. Uh, You know, you look at some of the other matchups tonight, like there's a lot better pitching on the day slate. You know, you look at Lois Saglia for the Yankees, but then he's going against Seattle. Uh, I may like him for for, for the win because, you know, going against Felix Hernandez, who has an ERA well over five, you know, I could see... Using him, Lois Saglia, you know, has yet to give up a run. So I'm okay with using him. I like Gio a lot against the Orioles, although the Orioles have, as the Daily Roto guys have indicated, have really revised their lineup, you know, to have more contact hitting. But still, enough run support there, and Gio should uh, should pitch really well. Uh, the Red Sox and the Twins, it's uh, David Price against Lance Lynn. Lynn's pitched really well lately, so right. I don't think it's really a lot for attack. Price. So yeah, I'm prob I'm probably leaning towards Lois Saglia or Gio, you know, outside of the obvious. Fair enough. You have like Gio Gonzalez all year long, and they have an interesting matchup in that battle of the Beltway against the Baltimore Orioles. And listen, the Orioles against not really a battle. Well, you know, not really a, a battle for the uh, a matchup. Let's the, uh, the 
the, the, the Nationals have won the last seven games in the series. So. Yeah, they got a rivalry like a hammer has a rivalry with a nail. Um, and, you know, at the same time, these Orioles have a big-time strikeout rate against left-handed pitching. So Gio Gonzalez could be an interesting option there. Um, Scotty, I, I mentioned before. I asked if you saw Fantasy Freestyle last night, and you said you could download it. But let me, let me tell you this, Scotty. I truly encourage you and anybody else out there to, if you're going to watch the, see this episode, watch it. Watch the video of it, okay? We do the live streaming on YouTube, on Twitter, and all this stuff. Scott, I had a guest. I had two guests. And they were, um, one of them was, her, uh, her name was Katya. She is from Russia. And she held the Guinness, she holds the Guinness Book of World Records, Scott, for the longest legs in the world. Okay, um, and she okay. and her, her friend. She had another friend there. <laughs> we were promoting. They were promoting a um, uh, a model show, a unique model show of the world's tallest models. Uh, she was from Russia. We were talking about the World Cup a little and stuff like that. And we had a little fun in games. Okay, we took the football helmets that are inside Studio Thirty Four and we stacked them right. up high to try to measure her legs in football helmets. How many football helmets stacked up high do you think it took to measure her legs? The mini helmets or the regular helmets? No, the regular helmets that are up on the shelves in Studio 34, the regular regulation football helmets. We stacked them up. Uh, how many do you think it took stacked up to measure her legs? Just her legs or total? Just her legs. We just got to her waist. Just I'm going to say five football helmets. It was eight football helmets, Scott. Eight. We had to stack eight football helmets to get to the top, just to get to her waist. This is Katya from Central Russia. She's 6'10". She played two seasons in Russia with Diana Tarazi, um, and she was promoting kind of this uh, modeling show. We thought it was very funny. But I bring this up, Scott, because you got to see, we have some pictures of me with these, and she brought along a friend, uh, Victoria, who was 6'5", and also is part of these world's tallest models, what have you. I'm going to send you over the break. I'm going to send you pictures of me. I might have to watch this, yeah. you have to check this out. I'm going to send you pictures with me. And then also my producer for uh, the video is our guy, Danny Otto. And, you know, he's even shorter than me. So we got pictures of Danny yeah. Otto there. So that was like Altuve and uh, Giancarlo, That's exactly right? yeah. where I was going, yes. So when we talked about Giancarlo Stanton and Jose Altuve, I was reminded of the height discrepancy. And so I went right to the fantasy freestyle. But I definitely recommend checking it out. It's pretty funny. Hey, Scotty, we got an interesting matchup. Let's talk about this on the poll here right now it's pretty close jose altuve has a slight lead on Giancarlo stanton but it's like 55 45 this is close scotty though people are not voting just yet they gotta wake up and cockadoodle do it here i got uh can you retweet this we gotta get more people out there retweeting this because yes, i think this is gonna be a close one and we need some more votes on that one it's gonna be interesting but altuve has taken the uh overall lead in the second update of the all-star game uh, balloting, Scott, but I don't know if he's going to wind up winning this one. I need to maybe motivate my Yankee fans to go for Giancarlo Stanton, Scott. What do you think? Uh, I'm not going to retweet it now. Oh, you're not going to retweet it? You could retweet no, it and I'm say, kidding. you could retweet it and be I'm like, kidding, hey, I'm kidding, stick I'm it kidding. to, I know, but I'm saying you could retweet it and be like, yeah. stick it to Smith and the all-in kid. Let's, let's vote for yeah. Altuve. You could lobby for Altuve. That's okay. I'm, I'm just I'd be okay with that. that. I'm fine if Chuck Carlo wins. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Hey, Scotty, we right now, right now I'm looking at it. Altuve's at 63%, and Chuck oh, really? Carlo's so at 37 he's gaining. he's gaining on us, huh? 
now I got it at 57.43, but we shall see. It stays. It's fluctuating. We shall see. Hey, Scott, I am very excited to let people know, though, that, you know, it's got to be in just a couple of days, right? We're dropping this exclusive edge uh, football package. Like, tell us a little bit more. I know you've been hard at work. You know, I know you told me we have the kind of like customizable projections based on you inputting your league settings, things of that nature. What are some of the articles that people are going to see? I mean, outside of the stuff that Jake Zeely does, we know about Jake, you know, the spitting statistician, even helped contribute to the package as well. What are some of the content? What's some of the articles people are going to be able to see from this uh, exclusive edge package? Why should they be getting it as early as possible to prepare for fantasy football? Oh, you, just some great angles. Uh, you know, who's, who's this year's Kareem Hunt by mm. Brandon, Brandon Merchantson is, uh, is, is just one uh, alternative. Is it Ronald Jones? Systems. Is it Royce Freeman? Hmm, I wonder. I'm not going to let last year's fantasy trash. Well, well you know, which, which is what's your bounce backs? High stakes fantasy angles with Matt Modica. Uh, a zero RB and wide receiver theories with Mike Leone. That's that's a tremendous one. I got I got to really? edit that last week, and you know the, the privilege of editing some of this stuff is you know you really like reading it. Uh, Bobby McMahon and Brandon Murchison covering dynasty angles. Uh, you know, uh, so we we got a lot of good stuff. Uh, Michael Cardano Jr. You know talking about talking about thirty year old running backs. Ah, uh, they fall off pl- the cliff. Chris Vench, Chris Vench, we're talking about players learning new offenses. So, so many angles to tackle. No, absolutely. Got to tell you, though, you mentioned a Mike Leone article there, right, about the zero RB. Um, Jake Seeley, who, who gets the hot tag in a couple of minutes, he says that zero RB is a myth. He says that there was only one year where the zero RB strategy actually worked. He's, very, he's against it. He doesn't like the zero RB strategy. How do you well, fall out Mike on that? Leone. Do you go? I mean, how do you fall? Per, uh, we'll hear what Mike Leone says, but how do you fall on that? Mike, I Leone, think, Mike Leone made a very good case for it. I'll just say really? that. Really? Really? That yeah. is kind of interesting. We will have to check that out. Remember, this is going to be dropping in the next couple of days. Hey, Scotty, great as always to cock a doodle do and wake up with you in the morning. Do me a favor, though. Check out that clip, the middle segment of Fantasy Freestyle, and oh. let me know what you think. I'll have yeah. to send you some pictures. All right, Scotty? Yeah. It takes two All right, to make a thing go Have around. a good day. That's right. It takes two to make it out of sight. Scotty Angle tags in the all-in kid, Jake Sealy. When we come back, it's Roto Experts in the morning right here on Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Tuned in to the Roto Experts. Welcome back to Roto Experts in the morning, right here on the award winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez and I am joined now by the all in kid, Jake Seeley. Jake, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. My Trevor Ending Story team, uh, you know, got into a first-place tie in my baseball league, so I'm excited. Had a great outing out of Clevenger that helped me in Roto uh, Roto Clio as well. So I'm feeling good. How are you feeling, Jake? I'm feeling good, too. Congratulations on that, I guess. You guess? No, no, man. This is serious. This is big. Hmm. You know, I've been toiling in second place, but, you know, I I inched up a little bit. Well, you know, listen. In real world, in the real world here, what you need to do. Radio joke. 
No, I understand. And I was going to play off that. You know, I was ready to go, baby. It's the fantasy freestyle, you know, times. I'm able to go wherever. I was going to play off that and say in real life or in fantasy, what you need to go do is go on over to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. And in the real world, you can help someone, um, you know, struggling with blood cancer, of course. Jake, though, before we dive into football, I don't know if you see, but I think we have a big-time matchup in our face of baseball tournament today. Okay? I think we have a legitimate matchup today, and I think as, I think we could use your help as a lobbyist all right we have the three seed jose altuve who by the way is now also leading in all-star game voting jake he's going up against the six seed Giancarlo stanton i uh i expect it to be a little bit closer it seems like it's two-thirds to one right now 66 to 34 for jose altuve a how do you feel about that b will you try to lobby for it c uh handicap this one for me yeah it's uh i don't really know I can see it going either way on this one. The problem is, I'm trying to again. I'm trying to remember the casual fan. I'm trying to remember what right. the average person in the face of baseball. And honestly, the casual fan is going to be Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, like, ask your average fan to recognize Jose Altuve. That that's my issue with it. It's like, oh, Jose Altuve should be the face of baseball. I mean, the Astros won the World Series. He's arguably the best hitter in baseball, second best behind. Well, depending on what you want to classify as hitter. It depends on hitter, He's, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. in terms of contact and hand-eye coordination. Yeah, it depends on what your definition is. I mean, best pure hitter? Yeah, I mean, he's in the conversation. With, put it this way. He's in the conversation with uh, Mike Trout for the best hitter. And so, in any case, I think that he deserves to be there. But I think that if you're talking about the average fan, I think that you would say the face of baseball is Stanton, mostly because he already was very prominent with his power, even while playing Miami, and now he's playing for the Yankees. But he's been slumping again this year. So, I think it's really... I'm not going to be upset if it goes either way. I'd vote for Stanton, but I, I, I'll be happy if, if Altuve wins. By the way, Cristiano Ronaldo scored. Already? Yep. Oh, he's a beast. Was, he's hurting me. Me pretty, and my that guy. Was pre- <laughs> that was pretty quick, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it was. Me and my guy Frank Stanfield, we were doing a little World Cup action. We have a little action over on mybookie.ag about who scores the most goals in this tournament. And Ronaldo, uh, Ronaldo. listen, Ronaldo, <laughs> Ronaldo, no, but Ronaldo's part of the chalk. But here's the thing. I don't expect Portugal to go as far. You know what I mean? I don't think they're going to play as many games. It doesn't matter. As some of the big boys. This is already his fourth, I think, of the, yeah, the yeah. hat trick in the opener. So this is this, four for As soon as he had the hat trick in the opener, and you were kind of screwed unless you took him. Well, you know, hey, well, I think we are on – who are we on? We are on, though, Lukaku in Bel- on Belgium, who did get two in his opener. And I do expect Belgium to, you know, contend a little bit more. So maybe if he gets another game. But I digress here, you know. Unless I think you're, you're underrating little- Portugal. I think they're going to make it to the round of 16. I think they'll advance. But then, uh, unfortunately – oh, Hold on, hold on. I think Belgium will make it to eight, but, but Portugal won't? Is that what you're saying? That's correct. That is correct. Yeah, I don't know. That is know. correct. Uh, that is that. correct. Uh, if you look at it also, Jake, I mean, uh, Belgium is lucky because they're in Group G. And so in the round of 16, they would play Group H. Group H had a lot of upsets yesterday. Group H is technically headlined by Colombia, who went down yesterday, and Poland, who went down yesterday. So Belgium yeah, All would have the top teams the are losing their time. Exactly, but I'm saying going into the tournament, Group H was really one of the lower ones. And if you look at Portugal representing Group B, I believe, they would play, if they finish second in Group B, which is what I expect behind Spain, they would play the winner of Group A. And you know the yeah, winner of Group A is going to be the cheaters. 
They are the cheaters, Jake. They are the colluders. They would have to play Russia in the round of 16, and you know oh, Putin's stop. not going to let that go down. No. I'm just right. saying. Uh, Come let, on now, let's Jake. stop. You opened the door here by giving me the Ronaldo goal. No, 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 I know, but everybody's saying that like it's the freaking Cold War times. Russia's not cheating. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. There is no collusion going on. Fair enough. Hey, Jake, um, listen. We acknowledge we're in this kind of dead time, especially now even in between, say, a mini camp until training camp starts off. I was scrounging the bottom of the barrel to try to find news and notes, and I honestly couldn't find anything. I knew you would rail against me if I brought up Anna Venateri and kicker news, you know, so I'm not even going to go there. I saw a report that TP3, Terrell Pryor, believes that he's going to be healthy, but blames his ankle for his bad 2017. As we've talked about before, there's like 27 wide receivers on the Jets roster right now. So making sense of that makes absolutely no sense at all. We are going to preview the Tennessee Titans as we continue to go team by team. But yesterday, Jake, we were talking about this football diehards draft that you are in. And um, we started asking questions, you know, things like, you know, going for some of these guys with the upside down low to make up your bench guys, like in your case, Jordan Matthews and Des Bryant. You talked to me, you know, also about how we agreed on how we like Devontae Freeman in the position you got him going way too late as the 15th running back selected in this draft behind even guys like Joe Mixon. Um, I was talking with Scott last hour, Jake. And he was telling me some of the great work that's going to happen in this exclusive edge package. And he mentioned that Mike Leone um, has articles about the zero RB theory and the zero wide receiver theory. And I know that yesterday, Jake, you mentioned that zero RB theory, like, only worked that one year, I think, was something that you mentioned, right? It only actually worked one year a few years back. Can you tell the people a little bit more about zero RB theory? Like, what is it for the layman? Is it really just not drafting and until a running back until rounds like six, seven, or eight, and then piecing it together? Tell me why that would be a, vi- a viable strategy, Jake. It's not a viable strategy. That's, that's Mike Leone seems it's, to think so. Well, just yeah, out, outline what it is. Let's let's define it first before you poke holes in it, Jake. No, I don't need to poke holes in it. I told you it only worked the one year. The, the stats are there. It's not me. The, the the information and the proof and the numbers are there. It's not it's not debatable. The proof is there. It's the fact that it is. And the fact is, if you're really doing zero, or, see the problem is is similar to like what I was talking about all two days, depending on how you define it. If you're mm-hmm. going by the definition of zero RB, people play the zero RB and are like, oh, I didn't take a running back in the first two rounds. I went zero RB. No, you didn't. Zero RB is not drafting a running back until the fifth round. It's drafting. Jake, that's why I said th- let's define it and then I know that's what I'm. It, so that's that's what I'm it. getting into. It. It's the first three rounds or four rounds of wide receivers, or first three or four wide receivers in the first four rounds, or a tight end mixed in there, or maybe even a quarterback. But basically, you're not drafting a running back until round five. That's that's zero RB. Zero RB is you're loading up on everything else, and then you get to the running backs after the fact, and you're usually dealing with timeshare and committee running backs, and you're focusing on a lot of the pass-catching running backs, especially if you're playing, well, mostly because you do it in PPR. Right, because if you're doing it in PPR, then you may think you could make some of that up by finding these pass-catching backs a little bit later on. So you're going and getting all your pass-catchers early. Like you said, in those first four rounds, usually the three wideouts and maybe a tight end. Let's look at this football diehard draft, okay, Jake? Because you're defining this as no running backs until round five, correct? So if we look at round five, let's look at round five of this draft. The running backs that go um, in round five, Darius Geis, Deion Lewis, 
Derrick Henry, um, Alex Collins goes, Jay Ajayi, Lamar Miller, Sony See, that's Michelle. Even, that's, that's technically not even zero RB. Why is that? I thought you were saying round five. I said at least round five. But what I'm saying okay. is zero RB is like those top – like Darius Geis and – no, okay, it's just that's – I mean, the rest – I guess you can say the rest are maybe okay. Darius Guy shouldn't have been there. So, Garrett Guy shouldn't be in round five for this argument. You're okay, not taking uh, – A guy like Ajayi, let's say. Ajayi is prob- going to be – Probably Ajayi, yeah. Sonny Michelle, yeah. Lamar Miller. Like, so most of the rest of them are okay, but Darius guys should pro- – by the time I get around to August, Darius Guy is not going to be there anyway. So, just forget the fact that Guy is there. You can leave the other names if you want. Okay, but I'm trying to I'm trying to get a sense of the level of running back. You know right, what I mean? That's that what I'm you telling can you. have that as your RB include, one. Include the other running backs, just leave out guys. Okay, fair enough. So that's what you're that's what you'll be left with. You know, that's what you'll be left with. Are you comfortable with Jay Ajayi as your RB one? Are you Absolutely comfortable not. with no. Ronald Jones as your RB one? You know, that's what you're no. faced with to go with this kind of theory, right? And if no, and if you notice this draft is PPR, nobody did that. Not yeah, one that's team. what I'm looking. I'm trying to find a team that maybe went with that strategy, and I am struggling to find one. Everybody, no, the longest, it looks like. The longest anybody we waited was until the beginning of the third round. The Jarek McKinnon pick? Yep. Yeah, the Jarek McKinnon pick. Bobby Gomes had already had it, Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski, and then knew. But also, listen, this guy, Gomes, he then drafts the best. The, he's the... He goes, he goes quarterback first in round four, getting oh, yeah, Deshaun this, Watson. This, I, this team is terrible. You know what I'm saying? So he kind of went spread it all out. He was like, let me get one wide out, one running back, one tight end, <laughs> and, and one Gronkowski. quarterback in yeah, my first four. Yeah. Right? So yeah. that's what I mean. Like, that's kind of almost the antithesis of loading up on but what look, I would look do. At his, look at his second wide receiver is. His second wide receiver, oh God, is the glorious Will Fuller. He's looking for the stack with and Deshaun look Watson. And then look at the third wide receiver. Oh my God, Jordy Nelson. He's going to have to start Will Fuller and Jordy <laughs> Nelson on a week-to-week basis. And then, oh my God, Geronimo Allison. My man, I mean, I'm sorry though, Jake. My man then also drafted a kicker in the 14th round. Um, yep. And he's Malcolm Mitchell, who may have some opportunity, but come on. Uh, Bobby Gomes is going to need to trade. That, he even that wasn't have even a the first kicker off the board, sadly. That's, that's sad. Yeah, I mean, I, I looked at it, and in this, on the chart here it said PK2, and I was like, huh? What does that mean? But all right, but here's the other thing. Jake, if you're going to do something like this, and, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm poo-pooing Bobby Gomes' draft right now, but I'm going to continue to do so. He could holler at me if he wants. Um, if you're going to do something like that, with, the, with this crappy wide receivers, I would think you at least need to start to compile a position of strength that you can then later deal from. You know what I mean, Jake? Like, if you're going to go like this at wide receiver, then, you know, maybe you double up on quality tight ends to try to flip one. Or you get, like, really the best running back group in the whole league, and you don't have that either. He's got McKinnon, then Deion Lewis, Chris Thompson, and then, like... Chris Carson is his RB4. So where's he going to even go to try to improve in the wide receiver room? He's gonna, if he wants it, he's going to have to flip Gronkowski. Yeah, well, well, first of all, you don't ever 
draft the trade. That, that's I'll never do that because you just it's usually clear that that's what you're doing in the first place, and nobody's going to trade right. with you. Second of all, you can't guarantee anything you're going to do. So the fact is, is but if you're going to go zero RB, even when people were doing zero RB is you load it up at wide receiver. Then that's why it wasn't until the fifth round because normally, and we'll just take, let's just take Bobby's draft. Let's look at right who went right after him. Normally, so if you did, you did zero wide, if you did zero RB, let's even just leave Gronkowski there. It's still, I mean, sure. technically you could, you could go three wide receivers and a tight end. So we'll just leave him there. But right after McKinnon, so his wide receiver should have been T.Y. Hilton and then coming back, he could have had uh, Michael Crabtree. So his wide receivers would have been Antonio Brown, T.Y. Hilton, Michael Crabtree, and Gronkowski. Kowski to start. I've never done it. I would never do it. I mean, even he could have done Juju Smith-Schuster as his third wide receiver sure. if he wanted to. I would never do that. Or you could have done Antonio Brown and skipped Gronkowski and did Antonio Brown, Tyreek Hill, and then T.Y. Hilton, and then they come back and instead had, you know, Jimmy Graham or just Crabtree mm-hmm. in general. Forget the tight end position. Just have those four wide. And that's the entire point of zero wide zero RB is that he would have had four wide receivers and his right. flex wide receiver would have been Juju Smith-Schuster. Right. Like, so maybe you, a- right, you look at that and you're like, oh, wow. And then you could have Deion Lewis and Chris Thompson. Carry on, carry on Johnson or Chris. So again, I would never do that, and it only worked that one year because Deion Lewis and Kerryon Johnson aren't taking you to a title in every other year. But <laughs> you can, even this season, you can still survive with it. If you have, the, the problem with is you can't miss as much. You're, you're, you're giving your room for error is very slim because if Kerryon Johnson does bust and he is Amir Abdullah, you're, you're not going to win, even with those four wide receivers. If Deion Lewis is in a complete timeshare and he's up and down every single week, you're probably not going to win. And if he starts losing more to Henry and ends up in the 30% of that timeshare, again, you're not going to win. If one of those receivers gets hurt, you're not going to win. It's just you're, you're making your margin of error very small. No, absolutely. And, and, and like you said, it, maybe if you accumulate all those wide receivers and have a, a guy like Juju in your flex, you maybe have some kind of position of strength. Listen, Jake, if you're going, if you're, if you're trying this, are you like, in essence, are you cheering for injuries to the top guys, you know, and then trying to work the waiver wire and find these replacements, find these handcuffs, uh, high profile handcuffs? Is that the way? I've never done it either, okay? Jake, I'm going to tell you right now, after four rounds of my draft, I will have two running backs and I will have two wide receivers um, in most of my drafts. You, uh, we've talked about this before. I am not going to draft a quarterback early. Like, maybe if I'm sitting there in round four and Ertz or Kelsey is still there, I might take a shot at it, but I'm going to have two running backs. I'm going to have two wide receivers. Um, what... Are you like I said that one year where you say it did work? Was there maybe a lot of injuries to the kind of workhorse top round guys that made it more plausible? You know what goes into that one year where it did work out? How does that work? Like, what's the scenario where it is a good viable option? It was two. It was 2015, and everybody tried to do it in 2016, but it was 2015. 2015. Do you remember the number one running back that year? 2015. Uh, I, here, I'll give you a big hint. I took him in the Go third ahead. round. There's, there's your answer. Oh, okay, Devontae Freeman. Yeah, right. Devontae so, Freeman, so, who only right, so played kind of came off the waiver. Right, go ahead. Only played 15 games, mind you. That's right. like that's that year. So yes, your point was is it was disappointments and injuries. The number to top five running backs that year were Freeman, Adrian Peterson, who actually had a good year, mm-hmm. Doug Martin, who didn't even get right. 200 points. D'Angelo Williams with Pittsburgh oh, wow. when he was replacing right. Le'Veon Bell. With the Lev Bell injury, and t- right? 
and Todd Gurley in 13 games as a rookie. Those were your top five that year because it was just like you said, it was injuries and everybody who didn't get hurt fell off in other areas. I mean, it was just up and down the line. Like, again, Le'Veon Bell, but you get replaced by D'Angelo Williams. And if you grabbed D'Angelo Williams, you were doing backflips because he basically led you to the league. Like, a lot of people were taking Eddie Lacy in the top five that year. Eddie mm. Lacy did nothing. DeMarco Murray was the disappointment with the Eagles last year when they tried to right spread him out. The Cowboys Le- year. Yep. LeSean McCoy got hurt. I mean, you could, Jamal, Jamal Charles got hurt. Melvin Gordon was a bust. Uh, Marshawn Lynch got hurt. I mean, there was just, as you said, it was the, it's the perfect, uh, what's the word I'm looking for the here? The perfect storm. <laughs> yeah, perfect storm, basically, of what happened at running back. It's just everybody got hurt and everybody didn't get hurt disappointed. So it ended up being the perfect year for it. I got you. Um, this year, though, you know, we talk about how there's like a, a pretty stable, say, top five, let's say, right? And then... Does this, I guess the last way I'm going to push you on this, Jake, is we talk more and more now how in the NFL, so few teams have that workhorse, right? You know, so many more teams have some level of timeshare or even a committee with multiple people. I can honestly only think of about, oh, I don't know, let's say five teams right now, right? Arizona, Pittsburgh, Dallas, you know, the Rams, let's say, and both teams in LA, let's say, um, that really have this kind of workhorse back. Does that help the zero RB case? Because if you don't get one of those big guys, you know, everybody is sort of sharing. And so that being said, maybe you can five guys that are going to get kind of the same percentage of touches and carries for their team in round five that you might get in round three. No, because it's, there's more that there's about 12 running backs that are bell cows in fantasy. Is that many? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I like, think it's – yes. I mean, I don't know. Let's see. Let's see. Gurley, I'll give you. Le'Veon, I'll give you. John, David Johnson is three. Zeke is four. I'll believe Saquon as five. Um, I'll Kamara, believe Melvin Hunt, Gordon. Cook, Fournette, Melvin oh, wait, 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 wait. Gordon. What about – wait, wait, wait. Kamara? How is Kamara a workhorse when, Mar- when, when Ingram was also a top said, running back? Because It doesn't matter. It's bell cow for fantasy. We're not talking about, like, the bell cow real life. It's bell cow for fantasy. It's two different things. Okay, so define that for me. So get me clarify for me, Jake. When you say we bell did cow yesterday. for fantasy. It's somebody well, who's I'm, going I'm to get, person. It's somebody who's going to get you the floor of what would be, like, 15 to 20 touches every single week. All right. Okay. So uh, maybe there is more. Maybe there is more, and you could go ahead and feel happy with a guy like Shady McCoy and feel happy with a guy like Melvin Gordon or Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette, who you think may also fit in that category. May hey, also Jake, fit. I- Leonard Fournette is easily in that category. Fournette's a bell cow in real life, too. Assuming health. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Assuming health. And I just, I personally, Jake, I have health concerns with Leonard Fournette. I mean, the health concerns with him go all the way back to LSU and beyond. So uh, that gives me some cause for pause for Fournette as, uh, you know, as a, as a back-end RB1. But hey, what are you going to do? Hey, Jake, outside of this, in, in this draft, your team looks really good. Are there any teams that, when you look at it, you were like, hey. I don't like my team. You don't like your team? Oh, I mean, no, I, this, I, I, well, this I like is the, the wide receiver is, group. No, that's fine. That's, that. I don't like it because this is the perfect example with despite the fact you can't let 
emotions and favoritism and famineship. Like, well, perfect example for the is this is the first time I've actually owned Saquon Barkley. I've actually owned Zeke in almost right. every single other draft because I'm going to take the talent. And I don't like this draft because I don't like my wide receiver too, Jarvis Landry. But at wide receiver 22 in the middle of the fourth round in the PPR, I'm going to take him. I don't like Carryon Johnson. I don't like that backfield. I think it's a miserable situation. He's going to get 12 to 17 touches any week, and it could be frustrating. But as RB30 in the middle of the sixth round, I'm going to take him. So it's like that's the fact. It's like I don't like the team, but when I go to just drafting pure talent, I, you know, I drafted the talent. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. I love your tight end pick, getting Rudolph, who I believe to be fourth well, or fifth. Stupid. Best, yeah, you know, Rudolph going in the eighth, eighth ninth round. round is just idiotic, still. Right, so that's right what I'm now. saying. I think that's a value for you. We already talked about Freeman on a week to week basis, Jake. You're going to have an advantage at running back, rolling out Saquon and Devontae Freeman. I think you have the best pair of running backs well, in as this long draft. As Freeman doesn't knock himself out again. Fair enough, but like, like I said, you know, you could say that about almost anybody. You know, almost anybody. No, concerns. We, not not a concussion. You know, concussion is different. You once you get the one concussion, it's it's after that, it's always easier to get the second. And he's already had multiple ones, and he already said he's not changing his running style. So, you know, yeah. the Falcons have been trying, but he continues to argue. This is true. Well, not this is true. Headed. Health. Health notwithstanding, I personally, I'm I'm pretty high on Devontae no, no. Freeman this I, year. I I'm just throwing out like a counter argument to people out there. For the, like, are. Yeah, right. No, absolutely. I also, I also, Jake, uh, just to continue to lavish praise on your team. I like Mike Evans this year. I think people are forgetting about Mike Evans. I'm not going to go so far as to call him last year's trash per se, but he did have something of a little like people. He fell off the radar a little bit, in my opinion, was- and I think. I think he's. Uh, I think he's one of those real solid back end wide out ones. I think unlike many uh, top wide receivers, this is a guy who's going to be a touchdown guy year to year. Sometimes you think touchdown. Well, that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. You know, was, no, I was just. I was just going off what you said. That was the biggest thing. Oh, you were going to agree with my point. You were going to agree with my point. Yeah, yeah. he only and had so, five touchdowns, and Jameis Winston missed games and had an off that entire that entire team on offense just had. It just never got in sync. And you just look at it as Mike Evans went from wide receiver two to wide receiver like 14, 15 or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's just the fact that, you know, he's somewhere in between. Will he get back to wide receiver two? No, but will he be back to a top six, seven wide receiver? I would bet on it. Yeah, I also agree with you. When we do our team-by-team previews, when we get down into the NFC South, we'll probably talk about that a little bit as well. Hey, Jake, we're in the AFC South, however. We're going to talk Tennessee Titans today. Um, But the one thing I want to touch on first, you mentioned this Mike Evans, and that gives me a transition to something else I saw out there. Odds have come out, okay? And you can go on over to mybookie.ag and see some of these odds. Jake, we got a couple minutes before the break, so what I want to do is we'll talk Tennessee Titans after the break. I don't know if you saw these odds, Jake, for the first coach to be fired. You know, Hugh Jackson is the favorite. And I, I, you know, I I morally and ethically somewhat feel bad about uh, betting you know, and trying to make money on the misfortune of others. But, you know, money is money, right? So I got to tell you the truth, though. Yeah, Mike Evans may bounce back. I don't know if Jameis Winston is a man that can lead an NFL team. 
And, you know, when I see him eating W's and things like that, and I also saw on Hard Knocks last year how much, you know, everyone from Dirk Hutter to Gerald McCoy, they are putting all their faith in Jameis Winston. And unfortunately, I think that's misplaced. I think it's so misplaced, Jake, that when I look at the odds for the next NFL coach to get fired and I see Dirk Cutter as the fifth choice at 12-1, to 1, I think that is an interesting option. I've already also told you I think the wheels fall off for the Baltimore Ravens. Ozzie Newsom already gone. That message could be getting stale. I think Harbaugh would be an interesting long shot at 28 to 1. I like Cutter and Harbaugh as options. I'm not going to go with the quote-unquote chalk that is Hugh Jackson. You and I both think that the Browns are going to do a little bit better this year. I don't know if you've seen these odds, Jake. What are you thinking about some of these? I think Tampa and Dirk Cutter would be an interesting play here. I couldn't disagree with you more on the whole Jameis Winston thing. Uh, You think he's the leader of men? Eating uh, I wins think and stuff. I think I think it easily led this team. Again, I'm going to go back to something I keep saying. So he got injured and missed most of the game against Arizona. Got injured and missed most of the game against the Saints. So take those games out. Just take them out completely. You have 11 remaining games. Those 11 games, if you parse those out to 16 games, he was on pace for 4,900 yards last year. 4,900. He made an enormous leap forward last year. His completion percent was up over three percentage points from the year before. The touchdowns and interceptions were improving. The yards were obviously improving. He can be a leader. I think people are writing the book on him too quickly. If you talk about fantasy purposes, I love getting him at the end of drafts. I think people are just ticked off after what happened last year. So I couldn't disagree with you anymore. I still think the Buccaneers are a fine bet, though, because if things don't get on track quickly and they do have a couple hiccups, maybe Winston even gets hurt again. I don't know how patient they're going to be with all the changes that they continue to make. So I could see that for sure. Uh, to be honest with you, of all this, this list, looking at it, uh, I think Marvin Lewis should be at the top with Hugh Jackson. I think like those guys should be neck and neck, honestly, because Marvin Lewis, I think, might be gone this year as well because, that, you know this, I think that might be the worst team in the division. Actually, I do think it's the worst team in the division. So, so I would say the, a Marvin Lewis would be higher for me, and I think John Harbaugh should be higher too. I think he, if the Ravens have a losing record this year, I think they're going to mm-hmm. move on. Yeah, I mean, we've agreed with on this when we talked about the AFC North, how, you know, Marvin Lewis and Harbaugh both have been long-tenured coaches in that division and are both now kind of, you know, to take your name, they're pushing their stack to the middle of the table with quarterbacks, quite frankly, Jake, who I just don't think are that good, you know? And, and, and we talk about how Cleveland's going up as well. You mentioned Jameis Winston. You make some good points. All I'll say is in, in that kind of soliloquy that you had there, Jake, you use the word if a lot, you know, like... If you take those games out, if you pace them no, to that's, 16 that's not an games, I mean, you know, you're saying he looked good if you take out two games. If you take no, out two you games have from everybody, it's not if. Games. You have to. He got hurt. You can't count 61 yards on five completions when you get hurt in the game. That's not, a, like, that's, that's not like an if situation, like if he performs. That's if you take it out because you have to. You can't count that as a game. All right, and if Rich Harden was always healthy, he would have been one of the greatest pitchers in the American League of the 1990s. I'm not talking about healthy for other games. I'm just evaluating Winston on his 11 games that he played. I'd still evaluate Rich Harden on the games he played. (laughs) All right, fair enough. Jake, when we come back here, we're going to talk Tennessee Titans, break down everything you need to know, Jake. I have a feeling we are going to disagree on the tight end of the Titans as well. Marvin Lewis is going to be the coach of the Bengals until hell freezes over, apparently. He's got to have pictures or something. I don't know. When we come back, Roto Experts in the morning, the all-in kid and spitting statistician talk Tennessee Titans. 
Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Nobody dope as Jake Seeley and Dane Martinez. We are so fresh and so clean here on Roto Experts in the Morning, right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We were talking about a little bit about approaches to your draft, zero RB theory, why we believe it does or does not work. Jake, as always, is very strong. It does not work, except one year where kind of injuries and underperformance kind of eviscerated the top back. So keep an eye out on that. The Roto uh, Exclusive Edge Fantasy football package will be dropping later on this week with at least 30 articles uh, to get you ready for fantasy football. Jake, let's turn our attention to the Tennessee Titans, okay? Well, real, um, real quick for you. Oh, go ahead. Let me ask you, because yeah, you, you're, t- you're in teaching in, in a way. Sure. So, In a way. Why, yeah. t- 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 tell me why the abbreviation for Morocco is M-A-R and the abbreviation for Romania is R-O-U. Like, why are we just putting letters that aren't in the name? I think Romania I might be able to answer because, you know, I don't think they're thinking about it from the English kind of frenetic pronunciation, you know. And I think if you talk or about the it English in spelling, that, yeah, I think like that's where the U probably comes in. Morocco, just, I have no clue. I have no clue. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think either one of them really makes sense. Uh, I, no, I, neither do I. Like, I noticed while they were playing right now is M-A-R. I'm like, what the, <laughs> why is it M-A-R? Where are you getting the A from? Right. Was it, did it used to be spelled like Romania? Did it used to be spelled with a U? Is that what you're telling me? I, I, no, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't think that's the case. <laughs> I think it's just like accents and pronunciation. And when it moved over to the kind of the English spelling, it maybe changed. Well, then it would, no that's idea. what I'm saying. It would, it would have to have a U in it for them. That's what I'm saying. Like the U has to come from somewhere. That's all yeah, I'm, saying, I'm thinking like if you spell it in like Russian, there's a U, maybe something like that. I, I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe. Jay, come on. And uh, while we're sidebarring real quick and talking about ahead. paces, I just figured this yeah. is funny. Even we're not, we're not going to talk baseball, but just for fun for you, uh, Buster What's Olney up? just tweeted this. This is amazing. If you want to talk about pace, Mike Trout currently is on pace for 188 God. hits, 140 walks, 92 extra base hits, 50 homers, 131 yeah. runs, 105 RBI, 28 steals. And an OPS of 11.58. Yeah, remember, we were talking about his season would have the greatest war of all time, even like over Babe Ruth of like 1923 or whatever it is. It's very rare, Jake, that when I go to kind of like my, uh, you know, my players tab, let's say, on my fantasy league, where, you know, you can see like the preseason rankings and then like their current rankings. When you look at Mike Trout, one one, you know, even the people who are usually, let's say, even preseason number one, they finish like number four. You know what I mean? The preseason number three finishes like number 10. And you're still happy with that. The preseason number eight finishes number two. You know what I mean? That sort of thing. But with Trout, you see one, one. He is consistently the best player in the game. Absolutely. Um, even taking it a step further this year. You're absolutely right, Jake. Um, you made me lose my train of thought. Oh, what I was going to say to you. Titans. Is remember... Yeah, I'm going to get to the Titans, but you know where I also find this when you were talking about the spelling of stuff that I'm always like, where did this come from? When I see those three-letter airport codes sometimes when I'm traveling, you know, and I'm like, where did this come from? 
You know, that's what yes. I'm saying. Like, you know, I'm like, where did this come from? For example, here in the New York area, Jake, there's Newark Airport, which is EWR. You know, that's, that's um, fine. It's just it's part I, of the word. Orfor- Norfolk is ORF. It's just the, it's the next three letters. The, my issue is stuff like IAD. Sure. Yeah, for, <laughs> right. in, in, in Washington, D.C. Or, or is that Portland Chicago? is PDX One, and stuff. You know, it's yeah, just weird. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'm just like, huh. Where did they get that from? So when you gave me the three letters of these countries, my mind went to those airport codes. Um, oh, but now you know. Now you get a little bit the insight. S- the same thing because you know, like O'Hare is O R D. Where are the R and the D coming from? Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. You know, or do they go into like the full name of the airport? Like, right? You know, have you have like international still, it's, airport it's, at it's, the end? It's weird. Still, where's the D coming from? There's I don't know. No I agree with you, Jake. <laughs> I agree with you. I'm saying uh, that's just where my mind went. You know, in a kind of similar situation. Um, but I digress. Let's talk about the Tennessee Titans, Jake. Listen, you have this theory, and 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 you mentioned it with uh, Jordan Howard and the Chicago Bears previously. I want to test this theory before. You talked about, like, um, last year with the Todd Gurley and the Rams, right? And you mentioned how it raised all boats. I was of the camp that, like, listen, if someone else is going to pop off, it's kind of a sacrifice somewhere else. You're saying, no, 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 this is just better for everybody. In essence, like, if we're talking about the pie, right, I was saying kind of, like, listen, if someone else gets a bigger slice of the pie, then someone else has to get a smaller slice. And it's almost like you're saying, no, 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 there are certain situations where the entire pie grows, right? And so then even if you get, um, you know, a relatively smaller slice, you're still packing on the same amount of calories or potentially even more. I want to test this theory with Tennessee yeah. Titans tight end Delaney Walker. I know I think I I think you like him this year and I for me he's one of the guys that I think could be the sacrificial lamb getting less targets less potential opportunity because of Deion Lewis in the backfield because of maybe a second year jump in Corey Davis because they like Jonu Smith the kid who may come on a little bit I think he's going to get a smaller slice of the pie the question is Jake do you think the Tennessee Titans offensive pie grows this year yeah absolutely because look at marcus Mariota the past two seasons 3400 and 3200 yards he's not even sniffing 4000 yet so the fact is to your point yeah you upgrade you get new york size pizza you don't get that cheesy with <laughs> people like that like around here you order a large and it's like a 16 inch maybe You're like no a large is 18 inch like first of all, like, like understand that they'll stop with uh, for, god forbid you're a place and you start calling 18 inch an extra large i hate you by the way just so you know <laughs> 18 inches a large anyway that being said that's the point and they're obviously talking pizza pie but it gets bigger it just it, the fact is if everything improves for the titans as it should and they're getting rid of the exotic smash mouth right so they should be passing more in general if you get Let's just take Marcus Mariota to get to 500 attempts. He's never done that. He's, his highest last year was 453. Just get to 500 attempts, have a better passing offense, and the pie gets bigger. Corey Davis can emerge, and Delaney Walker doesn't have to have a drop-off. He's not going to have a big drop-off anyway because it's not like Delaney Walker was putting up 1,000 yards like Travis Kelsey. Delaney Walker is 800 yards and three or four touchdowns. That's, that's what Delaney Walker does. Okay, so we still think that Delaney Walker is going to be kind of that serviceable mid-tier tight end one, if not even higher. I've seen him going everywhere from tight end like five or six um, in a lot of people's rankings. Let me ask you this, Uh, Jake. He could end up there in PPR. I'd rather have him as tight end like eight or nine. 
Sure. I agree. And to be quite honest, he's just, I'm not going to have as many shares of him. As you can hear from me, I'm a little skeptical on him to continue at his age. What is he going into maybe his age like 33? four seasons, something like that, Jake. And so when you talk about him in that kind of seven to 10 range, I'm going to take a flyer on people that are ascending. I just won't have as many shares of him. That's okay. Give me Kyle Rudolph or let me wait a little bit longer for the guys like, you know, that I'm high on guys like Trey Burton and the like. Let me ask you this though, Jake, not as many people know the Titans have a new head coach, right? And you mentioned they're also going away from exotic smash mouth. You're saying that Marcus Mariota may have a career high in terms of kind of attempts. Maybe he'll get up to like a 3,600 yards passing, a 3,700 yards passing, something like that. Talk to me a little bit more about Deion Lewis, though, Jake, because, listen, he, to me, represents this change away from exotic Smash Mouth. It looks like they have now more of a, I don't know, more of a prototypical thunder and lightning kind of timeshare with Derrick Henry in the early rounds and Deion Lewis really being this PPR kind of back. Um, In PPR settings, though, you're taking Lewis over Derrick Henry. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm not all too interested in either one of them, though. Only just right. because it's the fact that it's going to be a 50-50 split backfield, very likely. At best, I mean, you uh, honestly, it could go 60-40 either way. If you told me Deion Lewis was getting more touches per game than Derrick Henry, it wouldn't surprise me. If Derrick Henry is getting more touches than Deion Lewis, still, wouldn't surprise me. It could go either direction. It's just going to depend on two things, performance and what LaFleur wants to do. And this is really what it's going to come down to. And the fact is, it might change week to week. And that's why I'm not investing too much in them. Either one of them, Derrick Henry or Deion Lewis, for me, needs to be my RB3. And in that situation, I haven't, and I probably won't own any of them. Either one of yeah. them. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. This is going to be one of these interesting situations. Talk to me, though. What do we expect now? It's Mike Vrabel that's the new head coach, correct, out there in Tennessee? Like, is he going to put, what, what stamp do you expect him to put on this Tennessee Titans team? Is it just on the defensive side of the ball? Like, how do you expect, you, you know, that going away from exotic Smash Mouth, Mariota maybe takes the step? I'm a little no, bit skeptical. See, that's what, oh, go ahead. Then tell that's, me. That's what I, I want to know. No, that's what I was talking about LaFleur. Frabel's the head coach. He's not, he has nothing to do with the offense. He's a defensive-minded coach. It's all about LaFleur. LaFleur's coming over from the Rams. We saw what he helped do with the Rams in his one year over there, and that's, that's where it's coming from. You're probably going to get a lot of pull of what you saw with McVay trying to do with the Rams because LaFleur was his first man up, and they probably discussed it a lot, despite that team being basically offensively led by McVay as the head coach. LaFleur right. is coming from that tree, kind of. Again, he was only a short stint there. But he's a similarly minded coach, and that's why. That's why you're going to have the shift away from the stupid nonsense of what we're talking about. There's no more Smash Mouth, thanks. Exotic Smash Mouth, thankfully. <laughs> Fair enough. So um, is it safe to say, like, similar to, say, Chicago, where you have Matt Nagy coming, acro- coming across, who was kind of this highly touted offensive coordinator, now trying to implement some of the same systems and schemes with his new team? I guess the question, Jake, is how long does that take? Because you're trying to do this, but for the most part, you still have the personnel of exotic Smash Mouth, right? Outside of, say, the Dion Lewis. I mean, is this wide receiver room really equipped to do that we know about Corey Davis maybe he takes a step but otherwise what are we talking about Richard Matthews Tajay Sharp you know uh Taiwan Taylor for God's sakes you know okay. they they were able to do that in Los Angeles because they have weapons in Chicago with Matt Nagy they invested in a ton of weapons Robinson Burton Gabriel um do they have the personnel to do this in Tennessee 
Yeah, and you're doing the same mistake everybody does in disrespecting Rashard Matthews. Rashard Matthews mm. is honestly, like right now, unless Corey Davis does come through as we expect them to, Rashard Matthews is their number one. Rashard Matthews has been plenty productive. There's a reason I'm going to go back to what I said when it happened. There's a reason the Titans acted quickly and signed them that offseason. They didn't wait. Rashard Matthews wasn't, hey, week three free agency, who's still left at wide receiver? He was one of the first signings. They went and got Rashard Matthews, or Rashard Matthews, in a, in a limited opportunities because he wasn't the number one or even number two at times for the Dolphins, was consistently productive and their most productive wide receiver on a per-route, per-target basis, and they brought him in. Rashard Matthews is not an NFL number one wide receiver, but he's disrespected by fans and fantasy players. So to say that they don't have anything is, is vastly disrespectful. Okay, so is that to say that Rashad Matthews may make up part of your bold prediction for the Tennessee Titans? I know you don't want to take everyone behind the curtain because no. they're in the exclusive edge package, but uh, I mean, could, but no, he doesn't. No, he's not. He's not part of he's not part of your bold predictions. Do you want to tease a bold prediction for Tennessee, Jake? No, I already told you no. Alright, fair enough. My I last question you for te- you. They all uh, told go, you the go teases go by the package. All right, buy the exclusive edge package. It is dropping later on this week, at least to start there, and you'll be ready to win your There'll be some really interesting promo codes this year, too. Really? Ooh, I'm looking forward to that. You think maybe we could get the word speeds as a promo code? We'll talk about that. No, they're not like that. They're not like that. That's why I said they're interesting. They're not like that. Uh, Speeds is horribly uninteresting. Last question on this, Jake. (laughs) Titans over under for the season is eight. I pass. I'm not touching that line because I could see them easily being seven and nine. I could see them being nine and seven in this division. They're a team who kind of like floats along, right, uh, year by year. What do you think about this over/under, Jake? Right now, it's eight. No, no, I'm not. You could ask me anybody. I'm not touching this entire division. Anybody could win it. Anybody could lose it. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I have one hot take on this division that we'll get to. I am far down on one team more than anybody else. But we only have a couple more minutes, Jake. Let's transition to Roto Cleo. Did you see, Jake, listen, man. Did you see this Mets-Rockies game, Jake, last night? It's 10-8. No. The Rockies score 10 runs, okay? Herman Marquez, the starter, gets two hits. Every single Colorado Rocky had, like, multiple hits. DJ LeMahieu goes 0 for 4, so I do not get the hit that I picked at the top of the order against Jason Vargas. The Rockies scored 10 runs. Every other starter got a hit. DJ LeMahieu gets nothing. I did get a great start out of Clevenger, though. He strikes out 11 White Sox, gets the win, so that's good stuff. Um, I think Ar- Arenado went yard for you. Did Boyd get the win yes. yesterday? No. Oh, no. No, he did not, no. right? No. He did no. not. Boyd, Boyd got beat up real early. So you and Scott do not get the wins. I got a win with Clevenger. Thanks for hopping but off yes. Clevenger, though. But Arenado did go yard in Colorado. Yep, Arenado did go yard. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where are you going today, Jake? Let's start off with you. Uh, start off with me. I wasn't. That's, You're I not ready? Fine, I can today. start off. No, I'm, no, gonna go I was, chalk. I'm looking right now. Keep going. Oh, okay. uh, keep, yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out by the time you're done. No problem. I'm going chalk on the hill. The slate today, not a lot of strong pitchers, Jake. Okay? You, you make it sound like you don't go chalk every day. I don't go chalk every day. Come on, Jake. Let's With see. the pitchers you do. Caleb Smith, I went recently. Uh, Cook for the Diamondbacks, I've gone. I went recently. Uh, you yeah, know, recently. I mean. Hold on, what? I'm pulling up Roto Cleo. What do you mean recently? I'm looking right now. I went Cook June 14th. That's what's in the, in the last week. In the last five days, I've gone Cook for Arizona, and I've gone Caleb Smith 
for Miami. That is not chalk, Jake. So, so when you go when you go non-chalk, you just go off the ledge. Is what you're telling me. That's right. And today is one of those days, brother. There's man. nothing going, in between. It's either chalk right. or all, all off the side of the road. <laughs> that's right. And I'm going Charlie Morton against the Rays today, brother man. Give me Charlie Morton. The Astros had their win streak snapped. I think they get back and start another one today. I'm going Charlie Morton on the uh, hitter side, though, Jake. I'm taking a page out of your book. I'm taking a guy to go yard that you have picked earlier this week. I'm taking Joey Gallo to go yard against Jake Junis because he's got a big-time fly ball ratio. I think Gallo gets it up in the air and over the wall. Give me Gallo for the homer and Morton for the win. Where are you going, Jake? Hmm. So, yeah, you just you just stole a good pick on the home run front, too. Uh, for the pitcher, I mean, I could go easy. I could, you know, there's Kluber is on the mound. I'll take Gio, though, at home against the Orioles. The, yeah, the like disrespected well. and the underrated Gio Gonzalez. And then for a home run, uh, hold on, let me see. Is, are we facing a righty today? Who's on the mound? Who's on the mound? No, oh, I know Lucchese's where you're going. A, no, Lucchese's <laughs> a lefty, so I'm not doing that. Uh, I actually took so. Have you done the FanDuel home run thing? I did that last night. I have not. Night. I have not. Is Let's it fun? See. Is it good? Does it work? Do you like the content? You, you, you know, you, Mike you, Francesa you, believes that this would make a lot of money. Trying to do this, pick pick players, you know, especially with legalized gambling. Home, that's what it is. You just have to pick three people idea. to hit a home run. All right, so uh, who are you I picking guess today, Jake? We only got a minute. Nah, I'll go. Uh, I'll go stand. I'll go easy. Ooh. Although he's been in a slump. No, he's breaking out of the slump. That's what it is. Talking about my going chalk. He picks Mike Stanton. Don't forget. It's not. Vote, he's been dry. Vote on the face of baseball. Mike Stanton versus Jose Altuve as well. We'll keep it going tomorrow. Carton and Friends up next. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. This has been Roto Experts in the Morning. Have a great day, Jake.